0: The service is called Value Spotlight. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm investing all my hard-earned money alongside my subscribers. And what I do is every month, I look at the market and I look at my portfolio and I try to build a good portfolio based on the opportunities that are out there. And so Mm. I find the best opportunities and then I recommend it. And then 24 hours later, I buy it for myself. So... Over 95% of my liquid net worth is in the exact same stocks I'm recommending.
1: Welcome to Super Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm your host, Shahid Durrani. Today we have with us Andrew Sather. Andrew has always believed that average investors have so much potential to build wealth through the power of patience, a long-term mindset, and compound interest. He hopes to translate finance to all. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to our show.
0: Shahid, thank you for having me. I'm excited to see um, if listeners can get just one nugget from my story it would be awesome
1: can you share the story briefly before we get into the nitty-gritty i guess it depends which story you want to hear the story where there was a transformation okay there's
0: been a few as an investor i came to a realization that i was a know-it-all and then The stock market has a way of humbling you, especially if you have this know-it-all mentality. And so I had to transform myself from what I thought was the right answer into just a more humble approach and understand that to do well in the stock market, you always have to learn and just be a constant learner and never think you have it figured out because the moment you do, life will throw you a curveball.
1: Every investor has a turning point or aha moment in their journey. Could you share another, like a pivoting experience that significantly shaped your investment philosophy?
0: Yeah. So for me, it was really during the pandemic. Hmm. Just to give a little bit of a background, I'm more of a conservative investor I've always had this value approach, which means I try to buy things when they're cheap. And so the idea behind that is when the market is up, you won't do as well because you're being conservative. But the idea is when it goes down, you should do better because you have, again, more conservative investments. So when the market went down and everything in my portfolio went down, I realized, okay, I'm doing something wrong here. And I think that was a good signal. And really that opportunity to either... I was either going to quit or I was going to figure out what I was doing wrong and learn from my mistakes. So that's what I ended up doing. And it is tough to admit that something you've been doing for five years is the complete wrong approach. I, I meet with a business coach now and he said, we've been really like digging into like my psychology and why I am the person I am and all of this stuff. And he said that growth think of growth like the roots of a tree or even not even just the roots just from a seed and how a seed explodes into growth that 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 can be a very painful thing for us and you have to have that pain to have growth and for me the pain was seeing my results not stack up to what i thought it would in the market and unfortunately that pain hasn't subsided it's just taken different forms and but it's good because I guess it it's a way to continue growing in different areas of life, yeah,
1: And it's good that you have a mentor, you have a coach that you invest with because it's critical. But
0: yeah, that was something I didn't recognize early on. Mm-hmm. I've always tried to build myself on the shoulders of giants. And so you start to realize that you don't have to reinvent the wheel with everything. So whether you're talking about investing, entrepreneurship, even personal relationships, parenting, um, there's a good chance that there's people who have been there before. And so I've always done mm-hmm. a good job of listening to podcasts, listening to books, reading books, but ignoring the people around me in my ecosystem that can relate to me so much better because they're not some arbitrary thing. And that's been huge for me too.
1: Yeah. Content consumption is great, but there's something very special about working with a specific person or working with someone in your environment that has already been to where you want to go to and get the guidance from that person very geared towards your situation, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And -hmm. even if they haven't Mm -hmm. done what
0: you've done specifically, Mm -hmm. they probably had a different experience where Mm
1: their lessons
0: can apply to your situation. And just to Mm -hmm. have a third party perspective, that's not as emotional as you are. I get very emotional and start to think that all my problems are the most unique problems that mankind has ever faced. No, not really. There are logical solutions. It's just, sometimes you need somebody to lead you to that.
1: So in the realm of personal growth, what habits or routines do you attribute for most for your success as an investor? And have they evolved over time? They have definitely evolved. So I started,
0: again, this lone wolf investor, and I just devoured books as much as I could. And then the, mm. the routine became a weekly blog where I would just literally write about things I was learning about. And that was great because it would help me internalize the basics.
1: Yeah. But
0: at a certain period, that can become limiting because if you just stick to just what you can absorb yourself you're missing out on everything we just talked about so something that i started implementing after i got my butt kicked during the pandemic was i brought my co-host my podcast co-host dave and said look we're going to we're going to figure this market out and so every tuesday and to this day we still do this every tuesday at 2:30 we get on the phone and we talk about anything we can about in particular my stock market strategy So whether it's the stocks I'm looking at or the stocks I either want to buy or I want to sell, or the way I'm looking at the portfolio, or even the deep intricacies of whatever metric that we've picked up from a professor of finance, all of these things we really talk through. And that's been that's been transformational. Like you wouldn't believe the difference in performance of my portfolio versus the market from before I started doing that to implementing it now. It's got to be the biggest factor.
1: Mm, Interesting. And you often hear about the importance of continued uh, learning as well. Do you have some go-to resources or unconventional sources of information that actually contributed, contributed to your success? That's a good
0: question. I guess for me, I've always been unashamed to follow whatever interests me at the time and so Mm -hmm. there is a lot to be said for reading books that are the well time well-known time tested everybody's read them but there's also a lot of value in trying to pick up a book that maybe has three reviews on amazon or something or was written 30 Mm. years ago, and you might think, oh, this would never apply to me. I picked up insights from random books I picked up at garage sales, and Hmm. those have actually helped transform my my way of thinking, and so being open-minded, but then alongside that, one of the things I learned, and I'm blanking on who taught me this, it might have been Shane Parrish. He has a great blog about learning and being a, a constant learner. I think he said, you need to quit books very fast because there's so many books out there, there's no way you can read all of them. As soon as you get bored reading a book, just quit and find a new one because the time spent trying to plod through a book that you're not interested in is wasted time versus finding something that you're interested in. You're going to absorb that so much better and that's going to help you grow and
1: really gain
0: knowledge if you can do that.
1: Mm -hmm. That was a very unique idea. You're not following the masses to get the information. You're finding unique areas where you could read something that not everyone is looking at and get an idea because of that information. The information itself might not have an idea, but it allowed you to think differently, correct? Yeah, think differently.
0: Just give you something that that maybe just throws you for a loop a little bit. Mm. One one that one that comes to mind is this book on tech technological revolution and it's Car- Carla Perez and she talks about how technology and innovation has gone through huge cycles since the the 1700s. So like this concept of whether it's AI today or the internet or all of these big innovative disruptions we've had And then the long periods of business success we've seen after, they're actually recurring trends in the way Mm. and even the timeframes that that they've established. So just seeing stuff like that helps me get out of the daily Mm. craziness of the market. We always want to focus on what stock can I buy that's going to go up 10% tomorrow. That's just natural. But if you can zoom out and get the big picture as much as you can, I think it can really help, at least for investing.
1: Mm. So... Are you going to give us some special stock tips today? No, I don't
0: do that. <laughs> I I do run a service where people pay for that privilege, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. I've I made this mistake, so I, I'm not going to want to do it again, but I've come home to visit my family in Southern California. And in particular, my dad, I told him to buy Target stock. I was so excited about that stock. And if you looked at the 12 months in that period my worst performing stock was target and that was the one or two that he ended up buying out of my 12 months of recommendations i've come to the realization i don't know how to pick a single stock but in a portfolio it can do pretty well hmm. so does he still like you it's <laughs> funny is he texted me this morning it was like 6 a.m my time and he was like do you see targets up 17 percent yesterday i'm like Okay. Fair. Cause I ended up selling target. So he held on yeah. to his target. I sold it hmm. and he's, it's going to rebound. And I'm like, I don't know. So he ended up being right on that. <laughs> oh, great. he had to rub it in a little bit. That's yeah, okay. for sure. And I think he's going
1: to continue to rub it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in entrepreneurship, failure is often seen as a stepping stone to success. I guess some people even call it success tax. Can you share a specific investment decision or moment that didn't go as planned but taught you an invaluable lesson? Yes. I
0: don't know how to make it applicable to – I'm trying not to get too into the weeds with the investments. But I had one in particular that I had high conviction in, and so I put a big part of my portfolio into it. And I was just convinced that this thing was going to come back and it never came back. And I held on and I held on and I held on. And for probably five years, it just, it went like this, it was flat and the rest of the market just went up. And so that was a huge lesson for me in, in multiple avenues, but maybe the biggest was, Hey, you might feel very strongly about a stock, but that doesn't mean you're right. So, mm-hmm. Before you put in 20% of your portfolio, which which has set back my performance for years, it's like, just spread your eggs a little bit better. And next time you go around, if I'm going to try to make that big of a bet again, like I better know what I'm doing because I thought
1: mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing and I really didn't. So do you do you make any decisions based on gut feeling? Uh, Warren Buffett speaks about that gut feeling. Do you partake in that as well or no? I'd say that's Mix probably maybe, together with research.
0: Yeah, that's probably one of my weaknesses is I want to put numbers on something too much, <laughs> and I could probably do better to rely on my gut more. But that's where mm. I rely on Dave because I feel like he's better in tuned as a gut investor than I am, and mm. so he's able to inject that. I was really going back and forth on buying Microsoft last month, and the jury's still out as far as we're playing how that plays out as far as today in five years we'll see how that plays out but he really helped help me get past the the limiting framework of just numbers and understand Mm -hmm. that hey this actually might be a special business like after sleeping on it looking back at the decision i think it was the right decision but i wonder if i would not have made that decision if he wouldn't have said look the, the gut check's telling you to do it
1: So with the rise of technological advancements such as AI, how do you see the future uh, of investing? We'll see, right? My crystal ball is not. (laughs) I haven't
0: waxed that thing up in a while. (laughs) If AI becomes the only thing trading in the markets, then all bets are off. That's a completely different reality. But as long as humans are driving the major decisions in the markets, then I don't think much will change because humans have been emotional since the beginning of time and that's been our downfall, but that's also been where the opportunity in the market is. And so Mm. until the AI drives the majority of decisions in the market, there will still be opportunity for somebody who wants to pick
1: stocks. Mm. If you take a bird's eye view of AI and investing, it makes sense that it could predict companies, how they would perform in, in the future and be successful at it. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, um, I, I think it can. The but data. Pe- people have been doing that for years now. There's a, whole, mm. there's a whole discipline called quantitative investing and just every style in the market, it has its periods where it does well and it has its periods where it does poorly there's a lot of benefits to an algorithm picking stocks. Like they'll keep the emotions out of it. They'll buy something that's any normal person would say, I'm not buying this piece of garbage, but the algorithm will buy it because it doesn't differentiate. It's just looking at the numbers. And those can sometimes be the best short term investments. But on the flip side, an algorithm's not going to be able to see the difference of when you walk into a Costco, for example, and you just, see how many shoppers are bought into the costco experience how much value they are getting from their costco membership and why they're they're very likely to continue to renew their membership even if that price goes up an algorithm will never be able to figure that out and a good investor who can find enough businesses like that will outperform an algorithm but Mm. you don't see it because because it takes 10 20 30 years
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so looking back at your journey if you could give one piece of advice to a younger version of you that is starting to invest what would that be
0: man i feel like it's so specific to me in particular because i'm this (laughs) know-it-all i won math competitions i won chess competitions as a kid like i'm just used to being the smartest kid in the room and it's Dude, just learn from other people as much as you can, especially the people in your direct circle because they can teach you so much more than
1: you think. So your advice to someone that is just starting out or looking at investing is to gain knowledge before they take a step.
0: I think it depends on where you stand on the spectrum. Our podcast, Investing for Beginners, we try to help people get over that hurdle. And we get people who are very far on the um, I'm just going to jump in and I'm going to buy all my favorite stocks and not worry about if I'm getting into leverage or whatever. You get people like that. But then on the other side, you get people who are very hesitant and they analyze themselves to death, like analysis paralysis, and they never make a move. So depending where on that spectrum you are, I would say you need a healthy mix of taking action, even if you feel uncomfortable but also Mm. gaining knowledge so you're not just jumping in without any sort of guidance into what you're doing.
1: And what intrigued me is your point that you made that you have a service where you provide recommendations of what you're investing in. Can you speak about that a little bit and explain how that works for the audience? Yeah, I
0: appreciate that. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So the service is called Value Spotlight. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm investing all my hard-earned money alongside my subscribers. And what I do is every month I look at the market and I look at my portfolio and I try to build a good portfolio based on the opportunities that are out there. And so I look, I find the best opportunities, and then I recommend it. And then 24 hours later, I buy it for myself. So over ninety five percent of my liquid net worth is in the exact same stocks I'm recommending, and the idea is to find really put a spotlight on those stocks where there is value and maybe the maybe it's not like cheap in the traditional sense, but if you hold it for long enough it's it's cheap in that regard so that that's the big idea is to find. Sometimes these companies could be hiding out in the middle of, um, it's hiding out in plain sight, like Microsoft. I feel that even though everybody knows about Microsoft, I feel like really the power of their cloud model is just not completely internalized. And it has a long runway. And so that's why Microsoft was an opportunity. But then you also have companies like Shoe Carnival, which are fractions, like decimal point, compared to Microsoft size, but they have a very steady, stable, proven track record of we're going to open these stores in these locations. And they plan to keep doing that over the next 10 years. And that's one of those really cheap, super cheap stocks. And every way you look at it, it looks cheap. And so we're buying into that too. So I'm really trying to find a balance and just find stocks that can beat the market for investors over time. The key word there being over time, because I don't know what the market's going to do tomorrow. I don't know what it's going to do in a year from now, but I know Mm -hmm. that in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, the U.S. economy is likely to grow like it has over a very long history. And so if you have stocks, which are pieces of businesses that are part of the economy, as those businesses grow, those stock values will grow too. But you just have to wait a lot longer than maybe many people realize.
1: Yeah. Great, great, Andrew. Can you share with us what you feel your innermost superpower is that got you to this point in life? Ooh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the one on the
0: pulpit, so I don't want to be trying to, to preach here. But
1: like, <laughs> yeah, if it brings you back, you should tell what happened as soon as we came on on, on camera. What you said,
0: uh, yeah, crack me
1: up. <laughs> You can explain. You had to face the bread of it, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I I thought it was traditional, but well, you, you made it very vivid in my mind uh, what it looks like. But I hope people like it. it. It allows me to have the mic in a proper position. Let's be relaxed a little bit. But you made fun of it, so it's okay. <laughs> all <laughs> right. well, it. <laughs> That's all right. Yes. Well, you
0: can make fun of me mm-hmm. next, but my... Honestly, like my superpower up to this point has been my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's given me this grace where I've made so many screw-ups, and I've been able to recover from that, and I attribute that to His mercy.
1: Good. Andrew, appreciate your time today on our show, sharing your advice. And what was a podcast again? Do you want to mention it for our audience if anybody wants to join in?
0: Yeah, thank you. It's the Investing for Beginners podcast.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Andrew. Appreciate you. Keep going with this wonderful work. And hopefully people in the audience will take a look at what you're offering and the podcast. That's great. The name says it all. It can help you if you're new to this. So thank you and keep in touch. Thanks. (laughs) you. <laughs>